You're listening to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Welcome to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 16th. Bags, I am so pumped to have you back. I feel like we've been gone for like months. I hear you, bro. And I'll tell you right now, it's 70 degrees out. MLB is in a full sprint toward the playoffs. NBA is in the playoffs. NHL's in the playoffs. We got college football. We got NFL plat. We got the US Open this week at Wingfoot, New York. I am so excited about this weekend. And if you're into politics, it's even better. God bless you. But right now, if you're a sports fan, I am in some heaven right now. I'm actually, I'm legitimately overwhelmed. And I never thought I'd say that, especially <laughs> not having sports for so long. But I mean, last night I was Islanders, basketball, Yankees, watching them put 20 runs up. I I, I couldn't even get to like the channels fast enough. Thank God my wife was busy on a call doing some work stuff and it just gave me the TV all to myself. But I, I was legitimately overwhelmed. Platt, you almost need two rovers at this point in time, okay? This is where the rover really comes into play. Whether it's by the pool or next to your TV in the family room, you need two screens for the next couple weeks, maybe the next couple months if you're crazy like I am. But right now, it's rover time, baby. I got to tell you, I got to figure out a situation. I'm going to have to look into the (laughs) rover. I'm going to start Googling like what my options are in terms of handling the sports overload that's going on right now. So Yanks last night, look, I talked about it last week. You left me by myself. It was not an easy show. I talked about how everybody, it's all right. It's all good. I talked about how everybody needs to get off at Boone's back, that the Yankees will be just fine, that you can't expect them two years in a row to have to deal with the injuries they were dealing with and still be the best team in baseball or have the best record in the AL East, that they need to get healthy, just be patient. And lo and behold, I don't want to sound like that guy, but here we are. And just, I literally just read that Aaron Judge is coming back tonight. I saw that. Love Judge coming back. But I got to tell you, we got an MVP candidate. We might even have two. Luke Voigt has put this team on his back. LeMahieu, all he does is, is put the ball in play. He's batting 365. I can't say enough about him. He gets to play three positions. Voigt, I mean, he's becoming, he leads the majors in homers. He's becoming the league MVP right now. Although Tim Anderson in Chicago, we'll get to him and Trout, obviously. But the Yankees, two most important guys are Voigt and LeMahieu. And I got to give a clap to Cashman. Unbelievable work. Because if you think of the star power of the Yankees, you think of Judge, Torres, Sanchez, Stanton. And next thing you know, our team is getting carried by Voight and LeMahieu. And it's so impressive. And you know what's amazing to me is that I don't know. I don't know if you could say this, but like Luke Voight is going to be in the discussion to be the MVP of the American League. But I still think DJ is the MVP of the Yankees. And I know that sounds complicated and convoluted, but both of these guys have done an unbelievable job. The pitching's starting to come around. They finally brought a young kid up. They're letting him pitch. Garcia's thrown phenomenally. No moment seems to be too big for him right now. It's fun to watch. The bullpen is coming together. And... It looks like they're going to end up being the number two seed, which right now I guess slates them against. If they can get to the two seed, I guess they get the Twins, who we seem to play every year in the playoffs. If they slide back one, then we're going to have Tampa first round. So I guess pick your poison. Both teams are good, and they're going to be tough matchups either way. 
I'll tell you what I want to talk about is the, uh, the team that really worries me right now is the White Sox for a few reasons. Every American League offensive category is pretty much dominated by the White Sox, okay? Abreu and Tim Anderson are having the sickest years you can have. And by the way, Dallas Keuchel, who we don't want to see in the playoffs ever again, is on the White Sox with second second in the uh, American League and wins, and I don't want to see him. We never, ever do well against lefties, especially in the playoffs. This White Sox team has the best record in the American League. I don't want to say they came out of nowhere because some people did think they were going to be good. They are having just as much fun as the Padres out west right now. Every night they're having fun in the dugout. Everyone's hitting bombs. This is all about offense. You know this. Uh, you know in the American League, it's all about offense. But I think it's actually spread out through the whole Major League Baseball because there's not a, there's just not a lot of pitching. But this White Sox team definitely scares me, Platt. They're they're the equivalent of the Padres. You nailed that on the West Coast because both teams, I guess you could say, arrived a year earlier than anybody thought. I mean, the White Sox put together a lot of high draft picks. People were high on their future, but I don't think anybody expected them this year. And that's the beauty of sports. All of the COVID nonsense aside, if you would have said the Padres and the White Sox are going to be the two teams you're going to want to watch this year, they're going to be so much fun. They're going to be right there. They're going to both have a chance to make the World Series. Nobody would have believed it. But we talked about in the beginning of this how there's going to be some surprise teams this year. And, yes, those two are playing great. And there's a few other teams that are just staying around, and they're going to be dangerous come playoff time. Yeah, they are. I mean, right now, I mean, Toronto is hanging on with the Yankees at 26 and 21. Yanks are 27 and 21. They play Toronto so much more. I think they're just going to beat up each other for a while. And then, like you said, we have the Twins and, of course, Cleveland, who Bieber, I mean, Bieber leads the league and wins ERA and Ks. I mean, he's just lights out. Oakland is phenomenal. Houston should get that last spot unless something really happens with uh, maybe Baltimore. But uh, I really – and Seattle. But this, this American League, this – I'm just loving this whole – like, you know, everyone's got 12 to 15 games left. It is literally every night is a playoff game. That's no exaggeration. If you want in, if you're the Mets at 21-27, you can't lose. So if you're a Mets fan right now or even a baseball fan like us, we're watching these games like they, they're, they're must win. It's so awesome. Now, yeah. Not only. You... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Did you want 162 games? Of course. But this is really, I mean. This caters to people like me and you, all right? We just want to get this, get to the playoffs because we're Yankee fans and we're used to going, you know? It's like, all right, when does October start when we're in August? Most cities don't have that. So it's really, really fun, and I'm really looking forward to this next couple weeks. You know what's interesting? Talking about what the plan is for the postseason, I guess uh, they were talking about it last night on Yes, that there are going to be no days off in the playoff series until the World Series, which is going to completely change how you Holy manage your cow. bullpen. So you're going to have five straight – if it's the best of five series, let's just say, you're going to have five straight days of games. And that is going to be 
problematic for some teams. Teams with depth are going to be in much better situations, but you can't throw your high-leveraged bullpen guys every night. So you're also good. The, the thing I loved about a bags is that you're probably going to have to have five guys starting. Bringing back Garrett Cole is going to be tough. I mean, you'd lo- he'd probably pitch two games in the series, but they were saying most teams are going to have to go one through five like they do during the regular season. So it's going to make it a very interesting scenario once they do get to the playoffs. And speaking of playoffs, do you think that the Mets have a shot at hell at sneaking in here? They do uh, because they play their division the rest of the way. They have to start beating Philly, by the way. They have to. And when they play the Marlins, they got to beat them. But at 21 and 27, you got to try to get to 500 before you can think about the playoffs. You can't be six games under. You got to start. You got to get to 500. So that's their goal. Do I think they have a shot? I do, but it's very, I would say, a 30% right now. Yeah, I can't see them getting there. I don't know why. I know there's momentum with new ownership, and they have a good one through nine. Obviously, DeGrom is still the best pitcher in baseball, but I still think it's a long shot for them. I'd love to see them sneak in. We've talked about the fact that the Dodgers definitely don't want to see them first round, or if it's the Padres. Nobody wants to play the Mets in the playoffs because of DeGrom, especially in a short series. But Yeah, and I'll, and I'll tell you right now, Platt, you got, you, know, you got Atlanta, Miami, and Philly are probably going to make it, okay? Then in the Central, you got Chicago and St. Louis. They're probably going to make it, just based on winning percentage. Cincinnati has 24 wins, but their they're, they're winning percentage isn't as high as St. Louis. And then out West, you got three teams that are, are going to make it right now. However... San Francisco has 23 and 24. The Mets have 21 wins. So it's it's really not impossible, but you just got to start winning, like just take one day at a time. But it can be done, but it really is, it's crumbled up so nicely to start seeing some really, really big time baseball games in the next two weeks. There are some teams in the mix right now that I don't, I mean, the San Francisco Giant franchise, we don't get to see them a lot here on the East Coast. They obviously had a great run of World Series championships, but just the fact that they're in contention and that Miami is doing what Miami's doing right now, to me, are, are two of the most incredible storylines in the baseball season. I agree. And if you look at the San Francisco lineup like I did in the beginning of the year, you're talking about Hunter Pence, Sandoval, and I think Yastrzemski's their best player in the lineup. Can you imagine that? Like, they don't even have, like, star power in their lineup. They have – and they don't even have the greatest staff. They just have a great winning attitude out there. They got – I mean, obviously, they've, they've – like you said, they've won some rings. And it is it's it is a great story. I think Miami as well is a really good story. I think, you know, what's – once Miami gets in, all of a sudden you're going to hear a lot about Mr. Jeter. Then, then all of a sudden Mr. Jeter is going to open up the wallet or get someone to do it for him. And next thing you know, the Mets have to go against Philly and Harper and Atlanta and Miami and Washington. It's going to turn out to be a really good division. If Miami can really become like a, a decent team, that division will be tough. And guess what? I hate to say it, but Mets fans are going to even have a tougher road. Yeah, they're just going to hope that 
that their new ownership spends a shit ton of money and that's not always a good thing but at least they spend and they bring in free agents the other thing i wanted to talk to you about quickly before we shift gears here is i don't know if you saw this but the bubble plan for mlb basically any family member that wants to go join their significant other has to quarantine for 10 days prior to the playoff starting which means you're basically tied up. I think they were saying from like starting like in a few days on th- through the end of October, if you make the World Series, it's like a, that's a huge commitment. I get these guys want to see their wives and they want to spend time with their kids, but that's like a month and a half that you have to be just completely secluded and out of commission. Yeah, you know what? I don't care. They were in quarantine. Deal with it. This is the World Series. Um, you can hang out with your family in the off season, is, is, and, and it, it's a good, it's a good amount of time in the off season, especially if you don't make the playoffs. But if you're in that bubble, you really gotta just go all in and remember how much time you spent with your family during the quarantine. That, that that's my take on it. I'm sorry. So they were saying that apparently they might be able to have fans at the World Series, like 20% or 25% occupancy. I don't know how the hell they're going to do that because I don't know if you saw the schedule, but the AL is basically playing in L.A. and San Diego. The NL is in Texas and someplace else. And then I think the World Series is in Texas. Like, It's just going to be so bizarre. Like The Yankees could be playing the Tampa Bay Rays in the ALCS at Dodger Stadium. That would be crazy. The only thing I see on that is New Yorkers haven't seen their live Yankees. And I'll bet you, Platt, there'll be a lot of Yankee fans, not the ones that just live in California, but a lot of a lot of them that want to fly across across the nation and, and buy some tickets and see them live. I wouldn't actually be surprised if they actually got a good um, a good crowd if they actually let that happen, whether they say 20% or whatever, I think they will go to the max of the 20%. There's only, you know, there's only one time you get a shot to make a run. Um, I don't see Marlins fans traveling, but you, you, you know, you know, you know, the New Yorkers will. Yeah, no, they definitely will. So let's, let's talk NFL. First thing I want to say, what the fan situation bags i i can't de- how, how can you have fans in some stadiums and not in the other and i know i sound like a broken record with this but what the fuck how are you doing this how can you possibly have fans in kansas city but no fans in new york and fans in jacksonville and no fans in this stadium like you're the nfl figure out a way that you're going to do this across the league you can't have each team picking how they're going to do this I know it should be generic. Well, uh, this is what I'll say about that before I get to how much the Giants and Jets suck. Now, <laughs> now we, we've been watching our whole lives with fans, right? And we never thought we would get we would think about having no fans in the stadium. I'm actually trying to embrace this because having no fans is actually I'm starting to like it because I'm hearing what all the players are saying, whether they're talking shit or calling audibles at the at, at the line. I'm actually loving hearing what's going on in the game more than we usually would. Now, guess what? We would never, ever have this opportunity if it wasn't for the pandemic. Do we want the pandemic to happen? Absolutely not. But this is actually really cool that we can actually almost feel like we're on the sidelines and hear all the players, all the coaches. I, I mean, at, at some point, I, I was turning up the volume on one NFL game. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing 
almost everything they're saying. When there was a fumble, I heard guys punching each other, cursing, screaming. It was actually pretty cool. So I've kind of gotten over the no fan thing, but I agree with you that <laughs> how could one stadium have fans and one not? It's, it's, it's a little ridiculous that there wasn't just one rule. It reminds me of the NCA and how they how they shit the bed on saying, hey, Big Ten, Pac-12, what are you guys doing? Do you want to join the party or no? And then and then they didn't and then they didn't join. And then the SEC and the ACC and uh, and the Big Twelve joined. So it reminds me of that. Like, where is one commissioner like Goodell? Why doesn't he make just one rule? Okay, every stadium, you could have ten thousand people. Click, hang up. See you later. Yeah, this. I, I, well, let's see how long this lasts. And you brought it up before. What I mean. Okay, let's start with the Giants because I know you're a Giants fan. So, you know, I want you to at least appreciate my first place Washington football team. But let's talk about the Giants. Nice job. (laughs) Saquon Barkley. There is a problem here. You have to acknowledge it. I don't care if the guy is the greatest human being on the planet. I watched a guy, as you did, named Barry Sanders, who played with no offensive line in Detroit, and he ran for 120 to 150 yards a game. I get that the Giants don't have a great offensive line. I understand the Steelers have a good defense, but you can't get outrushed by Roethlisberger. Come on, Bags, what is going on with this team? Well, they have five linemen who have never played with each other. There is absolutely no cohesion, which you absolutely need on a line, especially in the NFL. That's number one. These guys are lost. Solar opted out, too. Number two, sticking with Saquon, I heard a former NFL quarterback this morning say, this guy's pass blocking sucks. Now, that is a big, that's a big insult to, uh, you know, a big time back. But guess what, dude? If he can't protect his quarterback... They said, you know, he can't be on the field if you can't uh, protect your quarterback and pass block. So that 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 worries me um, a lot. Now, I thought Jones made some really good throws and obviously he had a little bit of time. But if you can't run the ball, they're going to bring the house on Jones. They know Saquon can't pass block. You're going to start seeing the Giants get blitzed the whole freaking game. Because number one, like the line is just not ready to play together. That that's just obvious. I mean, the Steelers are a great D. You mentioned that, but you know, if you can't block anybody, you can't run. I mean, you they're they're in some trouble. But I did I, I did see a positive, like Joe Judge uh, mentioned. Jones made some good throws. He was under duress. I, I thought he did well. I thought he I thought he even ran pretty well too. At one at one drive, they had six or seven first downs. I don't I don't I don't remember the last time that's happened. But let's just stick with the the bad line, the awful defense. By the way, Roethlisberger hasn't played in freaking what a, a, you know, two years. He looked like the old Big Ben, and that guy is just unflappable. It's amazing. Yeah, he's a great quarterback. Obviously, has the Super Bowl championships to back it up. But you know, look, we're 
everyone's going to Monday morning quarterback. And I think the one thing we really have to remember with this year specifically is there were no preseason games. So I guess if you're a Giant fan, you say, like you just mentioned with the offensive line, it's going to take a little time. But the Saquon thing to me, and I know he was injured last year, it's just concerning. Like where he went in the draft, what the expectations were of him, the guy has all world talent. And at some point here, the Giants are going to have to decide, and granted it's early, it's week one, if they're going to pay him what he deserves moving forward. and Or not what he deserves, I should say, what he's going to want. And I know he's a great marketing piece for the team. I know he's a great guy in the locker room. He seems to be loved by all of his play- teammates. The fans love him. He's great for sponsors. But at the end of the day, you have to produce on the field. And it, it's just, I start to worry about him. I think Joe Judge will be fine. I think it's week one. We got a long season to go. I think a lot of teams looked a little off kilter this weekend. And speaking of all off kilter, when do we start talking about Sam Darnold in the same sentence as the rest of the USC quarterbacks that we've seen come through the NFL? Great, great point. I don't see this guy actually being ever an all-pro quarterback. Ever. He's in the worst organization in sports, I think. That's number one. Number two, he has no weapons. Okay? Number three, <laughs> he's got Frank Gore. Frank Gore was on Tecmo Bowl and Nintendo, Platt. That's how old he is. And good job getting uh, Le'Veon Bell from Pittsburgh. He's doing really good for your team. I don't, even, I, don't, I don't remember if he's ever having a good game. But Sam Darnold can't get the job done. You got Adam Gase. You got a complete circus over there. It is a complete circus. I've, I actually feel bad. And I texted you guys uh, on the weekend where the game was over at halftime. And... My boy Trevor Lawrence is already getting mentioned, Platt. It's going to be tank for Trevor. Because if the, if the Jets actually get the number one pick, Darnold's going to be on a he'll – be, he'll be playing flag football next year, Platt. They're taking yeah. Lawrence. Now, now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because it's, you know, we've got a long season to go and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be rooting for the Jets to do well. But I just don't see it. I don't see it. And, and I know they're rebuilding. But they look terrible, didn't they? They're always rebuilding, and they did look terrible. <laughs> and my heart goes, I mean, look, a lot of our good buddies are Jet fans, and, and I feel awful for them. I mean, I'm a Redskin, well, Washington Football Club, I still can't say that. I'm a fan of that team. So I, I get where the Jets are coming from, but like, it's just decade after decade of incompetence with this football team. And Gase, I don't care if they end up finishing 8-8 eight and eight this year. They need a different head coach. They need a Mike Tomlin-esque coach. Uh, I I just, I can't get over the fact that they went with Gase, and I just feel like it is a train wreck over there right now. And you know what's got to kill them? The fact that they're going to have to watch Allen and Buffalo stick it to them twice a year, every year, and be in their division. Because you know what? I get that you can play what could have been and what should have been, but they had a chance to draft him, and they didn't. So that is going to haunt them regardless. And they signed Douglas to six years, so they they pretty much gave the keys to the the car the, the keys to the car excuse me to Joe Douglas. Okay, I, I mean he doesn't have this resume at all for being this great GM. So not only do you have Gase, you got Douglas, who you know what has he done, and now you you know he's in charge for the next five years. So I, I'm very. I'm very worried about that organization because 
the, the last 10 years, they've been really, really bad. And I don't see them coming out of this funk because they just traded away their best player. They pretty much don't have any big-time player. Like, you know, if you, if you name the best Jet, no one's going to come up with a great Jet. And, uh, I mean, you want to call Yevian Bell the great Jet? Uh, he hasn't done anything great for the Jets. He was, he was a great stealer. Don't forget that. He hasn't done shit here. So I, I really want to I really want to say that there's there's hope, but I just don't see it. No, and that's the difference between the two franchises here in New York. The Giants, you, you just know at some point here they're gonna turn the corner. They seem to have the right leadership in place. I think Judge is gonna be good for this team in the long run. I hope he is, even though I'm not a Giant fan. You know, it's always better here when one of the football teams, which is usually the Giants, are doing well. And you know, again, I know it's early in the season here. I watched the the Bucks play the Saints, and I think that everybody was shocked at how bad the Bucks looked. But I really wasn't, due to the fact that these guys didn't have any time to play together. I mean, what you expect Brady to go out there and be twenty five for twenty seven for three hundred and fifty yards and three touchdowns in a new system with no preseason games? I mean. It was to be expected, and they're playing New Orleans. Peyton's been there forever. Breeze has been there forever. I wasn't expecting the Bucks to come out and go 16-0 and and win that game. Brady, you know, they look discombobulated, but I think everybody needs to chill on, on just ripping the Bucks to shreds over one week of one game. Absolutely, Platt, and that, that happens every year with, with, with fans. And uh, like you said, no preseason. It's week one. Um, there's a, there's a lot of obstacles that these teams are going to face. I think, I think you start, really start to gel around week three or four anyway. But personally, I love seeing Brady lose. I don't need them to be this you know miraculous story. Gronk look didn't didn't look good either. I don't want all the immediate attention on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, but I will add to the uh, Bucks game, the ratings have haven't been that high. Since 2016 for Fox on an opening NFL Sunday. So if you think NFL fans are going away, nah, they're actually going to start growing even more and more now. No, and this this social justice kneeling thing and politics, it's not going to affect the NFL ratings. And people are kidding themselves if, if they think, because especially once the NBA and the NHL are done, and not that they're ripping fans from the NFL, but once fans really get into fantasy time, it starts getting colder out and football is the only thing on TV. You got to keep in mind, you're not going to have NBA or NHL on the tail end of the NFL season as of right now. So the NFL is going to literally be the only game in town once baseball is done. You're kidding yourself if you think the ratings are going to be bad for the NFL. Platt, there's housewives and cleaning ladies that have 14 parlays this Sunday. Okay? The NFL is a, is a train with no brakes. People love it. It'll just, they'll, grow, they'll grow their fan base forever. I got little kids up talking in the Starbucks the other day about their fantasy teams. They might have been 10 years old. The NFL's going nowhere. Nowhere. All right. So speaking of parlays... Yes. Let's do let's do week two picks. You go first. Give me your three picks this week. Who do you like and why? Let's do it. Cue the NFL music. Here we go. Bags has no record. Zero and zero. We're going to start fresh this week. Last week, I watched the Colts game for, for a good, good while, Platt. I wanted to see how Rivers fit into the Colts. Now, they looked so good in, in, in parts of this game. 
And Frank Reich, who I respect as a coach, uh, I wanted to see how Rivers and him would would gel. And I, I got to tell you, I, Jacksonville really, really surprised me with that win. It was a huge win. But this week, I like the Colts, given three to the Vikings. The Vikings had a tough loss, but Rodgers carved them up. So pick one for week two is the Colts. I'm going to go with another favorite because Russell Wilson, I don't know what his deal is, but he's just amazing. I watched some of his game too. He looked really good. Second favorite I'm going to go with is Seattle. They're going to be given four, and they're playing the Pats, and I love rooting against them. And you know what they're thinking about too, Platt, that Super Bowl fourth and one where Carroll shit the bed. That'll be in the back of their heads, and I think Wilson – will dominate this game. It's a Sunday night game at home. Seahawks given four. Pick number three. I'm going with the old Dolphins, Platt. You know, I uh-huh. got a history with the fish, and that's my, only, it's my only dog this week. They're getting five and a half. I, I, I didn't really see much of their game, but they're at home. They're always pretty good at home, even when they play New England. The Bills played the worst team in the NFL last week, okay, the Jets. The Bills are given five and a half in Miami. So I'm going to take that five and a half in Miami. So just to recap, I'm going Colts minus three, Seattle minus four, the Fish plus five and a half, and those are my picks for week two. I like it. I like it. I If Seattle had a had a – crowd i think that the spread would be different (laughs) against the patriots um but i like the picks all in all my week two picks coming in here i'm gonna go with your g-men giving up four and a half to the bears i understand the bears had a nice come from behind victory against the lions but trubisky to me does nothing he does nothing for me i i just don't see it i mean he he he'd probably be the Jets starting quarterback next year for all we know but i don't see the the I think the Giants keep that game close, if not win against Chicago, believe it or not. My second pick is the Niners against the Jets. The Niners are getting six and a half points. I think they played piss poor last week. I think they had a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. I think they win this game by at least 10 over the Jets. Uh, they're too polished. Their defense is too good. The Jets aren't going to know what hit them. And then my third pick, and we talked about the Bucks before, they're getting nine and a half against the Panthers. And I understand the Bucks are playing at home, but whoop-de-doo, it doesn't mean a thing. It's not Tom Brady's you know, big coming out. There's no fans. So I, I'm going to take the Panthers. I think they keep, that, they keep that game close. So I'm going Giants, I'm going Niners, and I'm going Panthers. And those are my three picks this week. And there you have it, Bags and Plaque, week two picks. We'll see how we do. We'll give you our records next week. And now it's time for the United States Open Championship. Platt, it's in our backyard. We can't go. <laughs> so not only is it in our backyard, but Bags, I, I live pretty damn close to the course. And I'm going to give you a quick story. I was there for uh, a buddy's company's promotion. And I had a chance to rent my house out for the open. This was pre-COVID. I was all excited about it. I was going to make some money. Like, beautiful. Maybe Dustin Johnson will be staying at my house. Maybe Tiger Woods will be staying. Who knows? Awesome. I get an email three days ago with a player, no name, who wanted to rent my house for, like, pennies. And I'm like, hey, you want me, my wife, 
my seven month old to get out of the house. Like this isn't the the farmers open. This is the US open. These are the best players in the world. These guys all are wealthy, are all phenomenally wealthy for the most point. And like trying to negotiate a cheap ass deal with me and we walked away from it. So I'm bitter about that to start with. I'm bitter about the fact that I can't go, but I'm unbelievably excited to watch this course eat these guys alive. And I don't think anyone's breaking par. That is awesome, Platt. We'll have to talk offline about that because I've heard a lot of people uh, that have done that in the past. One of my friends from Clemson does that for Matt Kuchar down at Augusta every year. And you know what's funny? They actually want deals. Like, even if they make $100 million, like, you know, they're negotiating still, which, is, which you know, blows my mind away. I am so excited for this tournament because I could care less that there's fans there. However, it would be so much better because, number one, it's New York. Number two, Tiger. Might, this might be his last major in our area uh, and his probably his last chance to win a major in our area. The crowd, <clears throat> I'll block it out. I could deal with it. I did like how Rory McIlroy said um, that he, he really does miss the crowd. And these guys really do get fired up for the crowd. Uh, they, they feed off the crowd, especially Woods. It's going to be interesting as a major, not only because it's a U.S. Open with the, with the layout and the rough and the greens, but Platt, it's pretty cold out there. It was like... I think it was 59 degrees this morning around uh, 8.30, a.m., and it's going to be pretty chilly. So you throw in the rough, you throw in the wind, uh, you throw in, uh, you know, 60, 55-degree temperatures. It might get to, like, you know, mid-70s, but that's on a that's, – that, that's, the sun's got to be out the whole day. So for the first time in a while, you're going to see weather really, really – affect the u.s open where weather usually dictates a british open yeah that's it's going to be chilly in the mornings and i saw a photo they took a, a can of arnold palmer uh the iced tea lemonade mix and they put it in the rough and the rough was higher than the can that's a big can too that's like a that that is a tall can that's so, a tall boy <laughs> That's a tall boy. So I can't wait to watch these guys. You know, if you don't hit the fairways and drive the ball straight here, you're screwed. And I know reading a lot of the quotes from a lot of the players are basically saying, like, this this might be the hardest course they've ever played. And that's saying a lot. Jeez. And I'm, um, I'm really glad NBC Sports is back on the telecast for the Open. I thought Fox was just, you know, just a shit show for, for when they So were. who do we get? Is it Nance? Who's no, our guy this weekend? Uh, NBC. We're going to have Dan Hicks. Oh. Uh, okay. And it, unfortunately, you know, we don't have Johnny Miller anymore, but NBC does a great job. Tommy Roy. Um, I know some of those guys that work on that. It, it's, it's actually going to be, it's going to be, you know, a, gr a great event. And, and um, let's get to some picks, Platt. Um, let's go with uh, three, three winners and two long shots. I'll start us off. I love the way Dustin Johnson's demeanor is. I just love the way he plays. He, he's unflappable. He doesn't, he doesn't, it seems like nothing affects him. He should have two US, U.S. Opens already. He has one, got screwed out of the other. I love his, I love his length here. I just think DJ, it, it's time 
uh, to win another major. He's won a he's won a tournament in 13 years in a row on on, on tour. It's unprecedented. It's never been done. Uh, I like DJ. Second golfer, love Webb Simpson. Hits fairways. He has an open as well. You'll notice everyone has an open that I'm picking. Webb Simpson just you know he's just he has that U.S. Open game. If you stay in a fairway plat. I mean, that's all you can ask for. If you're going to spray it like Phil and Tiger, you're out. My third my third winner, I'm going to go with Justin Rose. Obviously, he also has a title. You can see my theme going here. Justin Rose is a big-time player. He can make big-time shots. My two long shots at 100 to one's Marty Keimer, and my other long shots, 80 to one, Gary Woodland. Wow, Gary Woodland. Love the pick right and, there. Everybody's got an open on my team. <laughs> you got a you got a solid you got a solid squad there. So hey, I think you know what? Who knows? I I think that no matter what happens this weekend, I'm willing to bet a lot of money on the fact that Dustin Johnson finishes in the top three. I I think he wins, but I mean him and Rom have been it seems like one and two every week the past four or five weeks, and obviously DJ's been super hot and he's playing great golf. So I like DJ which everybody does. Who doesn't? That's why sure. he's eight to one. I, I'm an ASU guy, so I'm going to go with Phil at 90 to, I think he's at 90 to one. I, I like Phil only because of the fact that it's, it's an emotional play for me. I have no rhyme or reason from a statistical point to think that Phil's got a shot in hell of winning here, but I'm going to go with the nostalgia of Mickelson and my other pick. And we didn't talk about this ahead of time was Justin Rose at 40 to one. Love his game, stays in the fairway, one and open, solid player. I think he's got a serious shot. I didn't go with any other huge, uh, uh, any other guys who were 100 to 1. I like your Woodland pick. Uh, but those are my three guys, and I would love, 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 as much as NBC would, to see Tiger sneak into the top five here and make it interesting. Absolutely. I don't see it happening. Don't Absolutely. see it happening, but I would love it. It would make it, it, would be, it, would make it like, you know, I mean, a sports fan's dream if you have Tiger and Phil in the mix on Sunday. I mean, first of all, getting back to the fans, if Tiger and Phil were in the mix at Wingfoot on Sunday, the place would be going bananas. And when you mentioned ASU with Mickelson, because you did mention Rom, I thought you might go with Rom. Ironically, Mickelson's caddy is his brother, and he coached Rom at ASU. Now they say they say Rom is really ready to, to to win a major, but they say that they say he's been working on his attitude and, and his temper. They said he's you know he's, he gets a little hot under the collar out there. I could see, I could see Rom really being in the mix. Um, what about Deschambeau? I mean, do you have any feel about him? I mean, if you if you're gonna just crush the ball, you're gonna be in the rough, dude. No matter what. Yeah, and I and I have a I have a hard time pronouncing his last name, so I never pick him to win. But he is all over the place. He's too he's almost too long for this course, and it's going to be a challenge for him. I mean, they also said that because that there's going to be no spectators, the grass isn't going to be trampled down anywhere. So these guys who do hit you know shots that are 20, 30 yards out on the right or on the left, that normally the grass will be trampled down. You'd have an easier shot. The rough's going to be just as long over there. So a guy like that, like you got to be straight on this course. You take out a freaking hybrid all day. 
you're going to see guys hitting crazy shots. You're going to think if, if you just started watching golf this weekend, you're going to be like, these guys suck. There's going to be balls rolling off the greens. There's going to be guys screwing up chips. There's going to be shots that you wouldn't see all year. And that's going to actually be nice to watch these guys get humbled a little bit. I mean, we'd be probably 75 over if we were playing here. So watching these guys, if they finish two over, three over, that that legitimately could be a score because of what you brought up before, the, the colder temperatures, the ball's not going to be going as far. This is going to be a challenging track, and I cannot wait to watch this. Platt, I'm so excited. I can't wait. We'll be texting all weekend. Great show today. Let's uh, let's actually get out there and swing the sticks as well. Uh, look forward to our next podcast. Wrap it up. All right. Have a good one, Bags. 